Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. Willie craned his neck downward and kissed Lenny Gray on the top of her head. I'll be okay, Mom, Willie said as he came to accept that he was going to war. Here, Lenny Gray removed the crucifix that she had on. Keep this on at all times and pray every day, Willie, and I'll be praying every day for you to come back home safely. Lenny Gray gave Willie another tight hug and then began to sob. Oh, Lord, why am I suffering like this? Lenny Gray began sobbing, and then she collapsed. Inside a small wooden church that was at the end of a dirt road, the people of Tallahatchie County were filling the pews wearing their finest clothes that they only wore on Sundays. Little boys and girls hurried down the aisles before parents and grandparents to nab seats adjacent to one of the few church windows. The women wore colorful hats of varying shapes and sizes, like crowns. Their tops were for display and to conceal hair that had not been properly maintained. The men, those who owned suits, proudly wore them along with their mudcake farm boots. Other men dressed as if they'd just come out of the cotton fields from a day of toiling, with a rag hanging from their back pocket and a thin blade of straw between their lips. It was muggy outside, and the warm air inside the church made it feel as if they were entombed in the belly of a stove. People who were seated fanned themselves with thick sheets of paper or cardboard as they looked out at the sky that had just turned a different color. The sun had been snuffed out by gray clouds, and the low hum of church chatter was overtaken by the rumblings of thunder. A storm was coming, and with it, the promise of cooler air that would flow through the open church windows and chill the sticky skin of the congregation. Lenny Gray had just stepped inside the church along with her children, Minnie, Roosevelt, Bud, Martha, Leuna, Christine, and one-year-old Lenny Gray II. Happy that she made it inside before the sky opened up, she walked towards the front of the church and sat on the front pew next to her young grandson, Revel. Her son-in-law, Elmo, was the preacher, and her daughter, Mary, taught Bible lessons. Hi, Ganny. Hi, sugar. 
Lenny Gray kissed Revel's chubby cheek before she sat next to him. She noticed he wasn't wearing any socks, and the points of his ankle bones were white, and his black shoes were on the wrong feet. Set your legs up on my lap so I can put your shoes on the right way. Revel did what he was told, and Lenny Gray began tugging at the tight knot in his shoelace. Good morning, church! Elmo stood at the podium. That's my daddy! Revel pointed. Shh, it's not nice to point. No sooner than Lenny Gray was done with Revel, the rain began to fall fast and hard. It didn't take long for the church roof to reveal its imperfections by leaking in several places. This here leaky roof is the reason I'm asking everyone to give as much as they can to the church building fund, Elmo said as several church volunteers placed pots and cups on the floor to catch the water. If folks would be just a little more willing to spend a little less time and money at that juke joint, we would have a better charge. I'm sure the Lord would bless everyone who contributes. Elmo held up the Bible as water began to drip down on the podium before him. He looked up at the leaky ceiling and said a prayer for the water to slow down. The storm winds picked up and water came through the roof in steady streams, soaking all of the pretty hats and dresses that people had spent their hard-earned money on. Several children held their heads up and opened their mouths as wide as the sky in an attempt to catch falling water on the tips of their tongues. Elmo's prayer went unanswered and his sermon was forced to conclude before it got started. The wind suddenly got stronger and the sound of wood snapping could be heard. Then came a noise that sounded as if a freight train was headed their way. A tornado is coming! Someone yelled out from the back of the church. People began to shout as they hurried out. Come on, children. It's time for us to leave. Lenny Gray nudged Revel and the rest from their seats. Ginny, where Papa at? He's at the junk joint. Lenny Gray said, moving hastily with everyone else towards the exit of the church. Ever since Willie got drafted, Curly's drinking increased greatly. Ginny, how come he don't kind of change it? He a heathen. Revel, stop asking so many questions. Now is not the time. And no, your pawpaw ain't no heathen. Lenny Gray grabbed a hold of his hand. Too young to understand the urgency of their situation, Revel continued talking. Ginny! My mama and daddy been fighting. Guinea, my mama and daddy be fighting all the time, and my daddy say people who don't come to church and go to Duke John are heathen like Paul Paul. Mama, go around to the side of the church and into the cellar. We'll be safe there until the storm blows past, Mary said as Elmo picked up his children and rushed out of the church. Elmo told as many people as he could to come inside the church cellar. Those who heard him followed while others rushed to their homes. Once they were safe inside, he closed the cellar door and they all kept quiet. Sounds like that tornado is still coming, said Mary. Everyone gather around. We're going to pray. They gathered and they prayed and prayed and prayed. The people of Tallahatchie County were lucky. Their prayers worked and the tornado lifted back up into the heavens before it reached a church and the homes of its citizens. Once it was safe, Elmo opened up the cellar door and let everyone out so that they could go home. 
Now that things had calmed down, Lenny Gray's mind traveled back to what Reville had said to her. As she was thinking, her daughter Mary approached her. If that tornado had come any closer to the church, it would have been reduced to nothing more than planks on the ground. Elmo wants to build a brick church, but we don't know what we have to do to get people to see that the church belongs to them and that we need to build it up again or fix it. I guess the only thing you can do is pray about it. Ask God to give you a sign so that you can continue to do his good work. Lenny Gray offered the only advice she had, even though it had never worked for her. We trying, but it ain't easy, Mary said defeated. Most people around here barely getting by. The ones that are doing a little better afraid that they're going to lose everything they have if they give up any type of money. It's no use in trying. I've been talking to Elmo about leaving Tallahatchie County. Ignoring Mary's last comment, Lenny Gray asked a more probing question. How are you and Elmo getting along? Y'all okay? Mary looked at her mother wide-eyed as if some secret had been discovered. Why you think something wrong, Mama? Just asking. Is there? Lenny Gray pried. We just see things differently is all. Sometimes he thinks I'm too smart for my own good. He thinks like daddy. He says that I get besides myself too much and that he has to put me in my place. He says that a woman ain't got no right to try to be smarter than a man. Do he, you know, Lenny Gray didn't want to say the word hit. When Mary didn't answer, she knew that Elmo was. Pray for him, child, like I prayed for your father. The Lord will hear you, Lenny Gray said. Not wanting to allow her mother too much access into her marriage, Mary changed the subject. What was it that Tangy May used to always tell me when I was a little girl? Mary asked. Oh, child, she had a lot of sayings. My memory ain't so good now that I'm getting on up in age. I got gray hair and aching bones now. Lenny Gray admitted. Oh, I miss Tangie Mae so much. Lenny Gray placed her hand over her heart. That evil Mr. Bettis, Roy, and J.W. broke her spirit. She was never right after what happened to her. How could she? Lenny Gray exhaled the sorrow that was stirring in her heart. Mama, don't get yourself worked up now. I didn't mean to bring up a painful memory. Tangie is with the Lord now, and I'm sure she's smiling down on us. She was the only real friend I ever had. Lenny Gray felt an ache in her heart that never healed. I know, Mama. I know. When Lenny Gray returned home, she went into her bedroom to remove her church clothes. Once she had tossed on something more comfortable, she paused and decided to get on her knees and pray, since she did not get a chance to do so in church. Thank you, Jesus, she kept repeating. Lenny, where you at? Oh, oh, there you are. Uh, something happened, Lenny? Why are you in the bedroom praying? Curly walked in, smelling like moonshine and cigarette smoke from the juke joint. I'm just praying for Willie as all. I'm worried about him and all the male children around here. I'm tired of hearing about tragic stuff happening all the time, Curly. Lenny Gray paused in thought. I thought about Tangie May today, 
and my heart broke again. Anything can happen at any time, just like that tornado that hit the ground a while ago. Tornado? Yeah, Curly, a tornado hit. We lucky it was only out in the field and not around the houses. Curly helped Lenny Gray up and said, Well, I'm glad for that, too. You know, what happened to Tangerine May was bad. Nobody wanted nothing like that to happen. Come on now, stop praying. God probably tired of hearing you talk so much, said Curly. God don't ever get tired of hearing me, Curly, even when I talk to him about you, said Lenny Gray. God don't care all too much for me. He never have, but, you know, I ain't mad at him, Curly said, glancing down at his crippled hand, which was throbbing with pain. God damn it, this old bad hand of mine been hurting lately. God do care, Curly. You just gotta stop mocking him like you do, said Lenny Gray, before heading to the kitchen. Curly trailed behind her, and just for fun said, You'd like it if I was a good Christian, huh? Yes, I would. Lenny Gray positioned herself at the kitchen sink. Then just for you, Lenny, I is a good Christian. Curly began mocking God. See, Lord, I'm a good Christian who likes to drink good moonshine. Curly removed a flask and took long, deep gulps that stung as it went down. Stop playing around with the Lord, Curly. I am a good Christian who likes to drink, have sex, and make babies. Those are the only activities the good Lord then left for a good Christian like me to do. <laughs> he did say, go forth and be fruitful. I'm just helping him populate the world. Curly laughed until his belly ached. Then he belched loudly. People hurried out of the fields at the end of the day, eager to get back to their dwellings and relax. It didn't take long for gut-busting laughter to exit the windows and waft through the air. It was Thursday evening, and Amos and Andy were on the radio. The families of Tallahatchie County sat in silence with their ears turned towards their radios, listening to two dull-witted men drift aimlessly through life like a ship without its crew. Curly, Bud, Roosevelt, and the triplets also liked listening to Amos and Andy, just like everyone else. They sat around their radio listening to the antics of two idiots. Mr. Brown, do you ever plan on getting married? Asked Gertrude Thompson, a character on the Amos and Andy radio show. Curly turned up the volume and leaned closer to the radio and waited to hear Andy's response. Oh, well, uh, sure. I plan to settle down and get married one of these days now that I got my maternity, said Andy Brown. Laughter from the radio audience and the homes of the people of Tallahatchie County consumed the air. What he should have said was maturity. I just love this show, Curly said, slapping his hand on his knee and taking a drink of moonshine. George Stephen is a man after my own heart. I tell you, sometimes I feel like he right here talking and telling it like it is. Uh, you, you, you sound just, 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 just like George da Daddy, said Bud, trying to control his stammer. You think so? Curly took it as a compliment. The people of Tallahatchie County, who had a little bit of common sense, loathed George Stevens and his shiftlessness. But to Curly, inside of his mind, George Stevens 
was as equal in importance as Charles Lindbergh. Lenny Gray was in the kitchen cooking when she looked out of a small window above the kitchen sink. She noticed the tab of the mailbox was still raised. No one had bothered to check it when they came in from the field. Lenny Gray had not heard from Willie or the Army in months. She worried about her son. Was he okay? Was he getting along well? What was it like where he was? These are things that she didn't know and had a difficult time trying to imagine. She worried about his weak stomach because whenever he got upset or stressed, he had trouble keeping his food down. When Willie left for the war, Lenny Gray insisted that Curly get a plug-in radio right away. Whenever Amos and Andy was not on, Lenny Gray listened to all the reports that came in about the war. She heard about all of the fighting going on, and to her, it seemed like the world had gotten mad at itself. Roosevelt? Lenny called out to her son. Huh? I see that the mailman done run. Go fetch what's in the mailbox for me. Can't it wait until the show goes off? I don't want to miss nothing, he said. No, boy, there might be a letter from Willie in there. She heard Roosevelt gripe, but he rushed out of the house to the mailbox and hurried back in a short while with a small bundle of mail. He sat it on the kitchen table and went back into the other room to finish listening to the show. Minnie? Lenny Gray turned to her daughter, who had just walked in from picking berries. Look through that mail to see if there's anything in there from your brother. Minnie sat down the bucket of berries she was carrying and sifted through the mail. Ma, here go two letters I say Willie name, but it don't look like it riding to me, Minnie said, holding up the letters. Curly! Lenny Gray held the letter close to her heart. Uh, what? I'm listening to the show. Willie then wrote us twice. Oh, he answered and then continued laughing unwilling to pull himself from the antics of Amos and Andy. He wrote us back in October, Lenny Gray shouted out. She was able to make out the word because that was the month Tangy May was born in. She attempted to make out a few more words, but it was too difficult. She hadn't studied writing or reading in decades, and neither had any of her school-aged children that were in the house. All of them had only made it to the second grade. In that moment, she felt small because she couldn't read. Over the years, Mary had tried to show her, but with having so many children, working in the field, and worrying about food, she just couldn't find the time to learn. Bud? Lenny Gray called out his name. Uh, uh, what, Mama? He said with the same tone of annoyance that his father had. Run and get your sister Mary. Tell her. We got some letters from Willie that I need her to read. Right, 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 right now while, while, the while the show was on? Bud already knew the answer to his question, but held out hope that Lenny Gray would place the necessity of his listening to the show over the need to summon his sister. Hurry on up and do like I told you, Lenny Gray said. Bud slipped down a pair of Willie's worn-out shoes he'd left behind and rushed out of the house. Forty minutes later, he returned with his older sister, Mary. When Mary walked in, she found her parents sitting at the kitchen table, looking at one of the letters as if it was a strange object with hieroglyphics on it. Are those the letters? Mary asked. Uh, yeah, uh, this is them. 
I can see that he's saying something about you and look like the way Chicago. Curly mentioned, handing one of the letters to her. Lenny Gray scooted closer to Curly and interlaced her fingers with his and waited on edge to hear what Willie had to say. Minnie, Bud, Roosevelt, Martha, Leuna, Christine, and Lenny Gray II joined and listened to Mary read. 